Welcome everybody to the Be Kind Podcast. My name is Joe Kirkner and I'm part of the Animal Advocates of South Central PA and the Be Kind Podcast is part of our mission to create a compassionate world for all living creatures whether or not they live north of the Mason-Dixon line or south of the Mason-Dixon line or exactly on the Mason-Dixon line because today we are talking to Lauren who actually lives south of the Mason-Dixon line down in Maryland and I'm also joined by John today. Hello. And today we're going to talk about a lot of great things, but I don't want to steal Lauren's thunder, so I'll just pass the ball over to her and say, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you're really passionate about? Hi there. I don't know that I've ever been introduced as someone, uh, as uh, specifically someone who is south of the Mason-Dixon line, but there's a first <laughs> for everything. There we go. Well, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, my name's Lauren Schaefer. I live just north of Baltimore, and... You know, I, when someone says, what, what what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about a lot of things. I love supporting local businesses and rooting for underdogs and, you know, really helping local businesses thrive. And I've been lucky enough in, in my work life to get to do some of that work. And then in my, my life life to do some of that work as well. One of the things that I do and, and one of the reasons why I, I know I was invited on the show is I organize a running group called No Meat Athlete Baltimore. And it's something I'm really excited about. I'm uh, a runner came to it in, in my late 20s. Um, I'm in my early 40s. Let's call them early 40s now. And I've been a runner for a good bit and, and a vegetarian for a pretty long time. And it's great to, to bring those two things together. And then the third thing I also get to bring in with the group is we support local restaurants, specifically independent, local, and those that have vegan options on their menus and are excited to welcome vegans into their places. So that's something that I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to do. And Know Me Athletes are a vegan vegetarian themed group, so I imagine you have quite a history or implementation of vegan vegetarian lifestyle to your own personal life. Can you tell us a little bit about your vegan and or vegetarian journey? Yeah, you know, I, I originally from Dallas, Texas, and you, you know, your diet is like, I don't know, 60% beef, something like that. Um, I grew up on a, on a really meat heavy diet. That's just what you do. It's a celebration. You eat a giant plate of meat. You know, that, that was kind of how it was. And I never really loved it. And so as I was kind of becoming a, a young adult, I thought, well, maybe I don't have to eat meat. And it also occurred to me as I was going through college, like, hmm, what if I could live a happy, healthy life and not contribute to suffering of animals? And it kind of hit me like a bolt of lightning. I think, you know, I hear about other people who they sort of gradually stop eating meat over time. And for me, it was kind of like an overnight thing. It was my senior year of college in 1998, and it just, it stuck. That was it. It was just such an obvious thing to me and never questioned it. Well, that's awesome. I think this has come on a couple times in the show where people just flip a switch and all of a sudden they're vegan or vegetarian, and that's actually how I did it too. And mm -hmm. so it is a way for people to adopt that lifestyle. It doesn't have to be a long process if you so choose or able to. Not that there's anything wrong with making a wrong, no, long sure. process, but it is an option just to go cold toe well, yeah, I, I, cold turkey. Oh, geez, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> no, but but I, I do think it was for me. The, once the switch flipped, it was like there was no going back. And this was in 1998, where if you were a vegetarian or a vegan, your options in most restaurants were an iceberg lettuce salad. 
right? It's not like it is today where if you decide to, to start making the switch to being plant-based or vegan or vegetarian, you have a million options. We had no options back then. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, yeah. But it just was so obvious to me that this was, you know, what, what I want to call suffering in something when I can not. Um, right. So for me, again, for me, it was it was an easy switch. I, I certainly am supportive of anyone making any kind of a transition, whether it's one day a week, whether it's, you know, 100% all the way in. I'm, I'd support that all the way. And you brought up an interesting point where it's, if you had the option to not cause suffering, wouldn't you take it? And that's something that I frequently argue when people say, well, why are you vegan? Don't you know mm-hmm. we were supposed to eat meat because of our teeth or the environmental mm-hmm. impact or actually it was worse for the environment to grow plants, which is never true, but whatever. <laughs> well, it might be true under very rare circumstances. But at the end of the day, what I tell people is we live in a world where we can prevent suffering and death and really not have that big a burden on us. So why wouldn't you choose that? And then when you frame it like that, it gets really hard to argue against veganism. Yeah, it's very true. I think one of the arguments that, that I would hear is, you know, it's a diet that's deficient. In fact, you have to take supplements. So obviously it's a, a deficient diet. All diets are deficient in something. You know, that, that's a lousy argument. Right. I agree. Yeah, because there's plenty of omnivore diets that are deficient and stuff, too, but no one ever argues about that. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of diets and supplements and things like that, did you go vegan before or after you really took on your fitness and running? Let's see. So I was um, about the only running that I did was from my couch to the kitchen to get snacks when I first switched over to a, a more of a plant-based diet. So was not especially active. Um, that came a lot later. I really became a runner. I, you know, I, I belonged to a gym and I was active, but I really started running. I met my um, now husband, then boyfriend, and he was a pretty serious marathon runner. And I never saw him. Like on Saturday mornings, he was out the door, you know, at, at 630 and came back hours later and was exhausted and was always, you know, doing these runs. And I thought, well, what, what's the deal with all this? What, what's so great about this? And then I popped a bug. I got the runner's <laughs> high in, in my late 20s and was like, oh, I can make my own drugs. Cool. And it just stuck. In case anyone out there was wanting to clip out our audio and things, Lauren does not make real drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. My body makes the drugs inside of my body and feeds them to my brain. And how has veganism really played into your running in terms of your fitness, recovery, performance, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because I don't have a before and after to compare, right? I was vegetarian when I started running and I continued to be. So I can't say because I did this, you know, I'm, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I will say that for many years before the pandemic hit, um, every year I have progressively done a better and better marathon time. I continue to to gain speed and to gain endurance even as I've, you know, been aging in, into my early 40s. And so, you know, we can say that it hasn't hindered performance. But I do think, it, you know, I compared to, to a lot of the folks that I've run with, I seem to have tons of energy. I seem to be able to push through my training, you know, very successfully. Certainly, I've had injuries over the years. Is You know, if any time you do anything really hard, you're, you know, push your body to a limit, you're going to get injuries. But I don't think I've had, you know, any, any more injuries than anyone else. I certainly have plenty of energy. Yeah, I'm a decently hardcore runner myself. I don't talk about it all that much because it's very hard for me to talk about running without sounding like a jerk. But... <laughs> Uh, so the thing I've noticed with veganism is that it's really helped my recovery in a lot of things. Whereas other people, if they go for a long run, let's say 18 miles, they might have to take a couple of days off to recover. 
I can go mm-hmm. out the next day and run another 16 miles and then do a weight exercise in the afternoon and still get all my chores and errands done, things like that. So for me, right. it's really helped with my recovery. I don't, with my strength in terms of lifting and pushing weight, it's still pretty good. I haven't tried to get any of big weights out there recently, but so I can still put on muscle if I make an effort to it. So it really that's where it's played into my role, active lifestyle. Yeah, I think certainly um, I, I seem to have more energy than some of my, my training buddies in the past for sure. So what does your food and routine look like in terms of what you eat to both prepare for your workouts or cover from your workouts and also keep going during your workouts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like sometimes people uh, will try and overcomplicate things. And I am the queen of simplicity. <laughs> you know, I, I also think that it's very easy to jump on trends. And I've certainly seen that, you know, in, among running groups where people say, oh, I'm jumping on the keto trend. Or they don't say I'm jumping on the keto trend, but I'm, I'm going to try keto or <laughs> I'm doing Whole30 or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I look at what the best runners in the world do. And I say, if it works for them, granted, I'm not at their level, but it's probably going to work for me at, at, at some level as well. And, and what do the best runners in the world eat? Carbs, right? So <laughs> my diet involves lots of whole grains, lots of in terms of, you know, vegetarian protein, I eat plenty of tofu and tempeh, lots of nuts and seeds, and loads and loads and loads of vegetables, which of course are loaded with vitamins and minerals and all the good stuff that we need, not to mention fiber. So, you know, it's, it's a really basic diet. It's not that exciting of, of a diet, but you know, it, it's what works and it feels good. Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. I don't eat goose or anything like that one. I just have a bunch of dried fruit and I'll just eat some of that before I go, eat some of it while I'm running. And afterwards, it's usually oatmeal or some type of grains and mm-hmm. lots of nuts, peanut butter, beans, rice, and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also, while I'm, if, you know, during my training runs, I don't focus a ton on eating, you know, a lot of gels or other carbohydrates on the run. Although if I'm running longer than, let's say, 12 miles, I do use the gel supplements like the carbohydrate supplements only because on race day, I know I'm going to need them. And so I want to make sure that I've trained my gut to be able to use those kinds of gels. For people who aren't runners, if you're running long distances, if you are fully carb loaded, fully loaded, at best, if you were working really hard out there, you might have 90 minutes worth of stored carbohydrate. And so if you burn through all that, what happens is you hit the wall and you feel miserable and it's horrible and you have to walk and you get all kinds of self-defeating feelings and it's it's awful. So supplementing with carbohydrate on longer runs, just it feels better. It fuels your run. Your body needs it. Your brain needs it. And so, in, you know, for, for longer runs and certainly for longer races, I do supplement with the, the carbohydrate gels. It's basically like being hangry, but also really tired in the middle of nowhere at the same time. <laughs> I sometimes will compare it to everybody loves the car comparison, it, but it's apt. You know, if you had a car and that car had to drive 2,600 miles and you put in enough, you know, the tank only holds, you know, a thousand miles, you wouldn't try and do it in one tank, right? You're going to have to stop and refill the tank. But your, you know, your body's not a car. But in fact, you know, you only have so much fuel that that you can store, and you got to top off the tank. And I'm not going to ask the where do you get your protein question because I think you already answered that. And <laughs> I, dis- I despise is a strong word. I inwardly roll my eyes when people ask me that question, and I tell them I just eat food, and then there's protein in food, and I'm fine. I don't sit there and at the end of the day 
break out the calculator and say, well, <laughs> peanut butter had mm-hmm. eight grams and then the beans had 12, which means I still need 40. I just eat till I'm full and feel good. And then I go to bed and I wake up and do it again the next day. <laughs> I think there's also this misconception around protein powder and protein powder is, it's like the most ridiculous industry in the world and it's huge. And everyone thinks, well, if you're active, you've got, you've got to have a protein shake. You've got to, you've got to have protein drinks. I mean, if your diet is way out of whack, yeah, then maybe you do need protein or if, if you have an illness or, you know, a huge caloric deficit for some reason. In those cases, protein powder makes sense. Or if you're training at the level of an Olympian, protein powder could make sense. I ain't training like an Olympian. I'm relatively healthy. I know how to, to make a decent meal that has protein in it. I don't think about counting the protein. And I know that my protein needs are met. You know, I don't break out the calculator either. I, I have at one point in time looked to see, oh, I wonder how much I eat. And it's more than enough. Yeah, I run 75 to 100 miles a week. And I never feel like I'm not getting enough protein. And I also have weight mm-hmm. training and things like that in there too. So yeah, don't need to stress about that much, people. So it'll be all right. <laughs> But there's a whole industry, right? I mean, go go even to a grocery store. You don't have to go to like a sports nutrition store, which is also kind of bunk. But any grocery store, you go down that aisle and there's like 20 different varieties of protein powder. Well, they wouldn't be here if I don't need them, right? And and I work with, you know, know and then run with and work with people who are hardly active at all who are pounding down protein shakes and protein bars because they think that they're supposed to. It's a really shady thing. And just to provide some ethos to um, your claims and your advice, can you tell us a little bit about your health coaching and your blog and things like that? Sure. So I have a health coaching practice called Live Full. I work with men and women and help them articulate what their health and fitness goals are. And then we meet regularly and, and you know, work on building healthy habits and reforming some, some less healthful behaviors to help people achieve those goals. I do work with a lot of runners. When I first started my practice in, in 2013, I thought, I don't think I want to work with runners because they have a lot of bad habits. But inevitably, being a runner, I ended up working with a lot of runners and, and still do. Dare and I yes, ask, they do have a lot of bad habits. I was going to ask, dare I ask what those <laughs> bad habits are? <laughs> Underfueling like crazy, thinking underfueling, especially on carbs. Um, they think that they've got to consume a lot of protein. They don't realize that carbs power hard effort, um, both in the gym and, and when you're running on roads and trails. Certainly also uh, celebration foods. I ran 10 miles today. I'm going to celebrate with pancakes after. Oh, yeah. And beers later. Oh, yeah. And ice cream later. And then the next day, brunch, right? I think that we, I like to think that people are very optimistic. And so they overestimate how much celebration food they, I don't like to say have earned, but how much they could afford really um, after exercising. I think we're optimistic and we think, oh, I, I can consume a lot. And then they wonder why they are putting on weight during marathon training, which is actually quite frequent. I am of the mind that I eat to run. I don't run to eat. So I'm weird in many ways. I realize this. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a sentiment shared by everybody. I will say that. I hear it all the time that people run to eat. Yeah. See, if I don't run, I don't eat. So I end up losing weight if I don't run because I just won't eat as much. It's true. And I, I see that too. Some folks in the off season drop a couple pounds and then when they're training for something, they put those pounds on. Well, that discussion would say that Laura knows what she's talking about. She's a pro. She's got, she's <laughs> I know hot. a little. I know a little bit. I know a little bit. <laughs> I know enough to get in trouble. And that's the, that's the perfect amount to know. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier in the podcast, No Meat Athlete. Could you tell us a little bit about that group and how it got started and what exactly it is for our listeners? Sure. So there's, there's actually, there is a guy, Matt Frazier, who is the No Meat Athlete. And I came across his kind of sort of a rinky-dink blog sometime in, in the 
I don't know, maybe like 2010, 2012, I'm not sure, somewhere in there. And it was this little blog and it started to really grow. And he's just a normal guy. He's not like a crazy athlete, but just this normal guy who liked to run. And then he switched over to a plant-based diet and he, he found, wow, I really thrived on it and his running got better. And so he would just you know write about his, his running and his diet a little bit. And I, I followed along. In 2014, he put out a call in his weekly or however frequent uh, email, hey, I'm thinking of starting running groups all over the world to spread the message of no meat athlete. Anyone interested? Let me know. And I raised my hand. It sounded really cool. I knew a lot of people who were vegetarian or vegan, and I knew a lot of runners. But that Venn diagram did not have a lot of overlap. They were kind of two distinct circles. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fun to start this little group? So in 2014, groups started up in the, I guess, the second half of the year. There was one in Sydney, Australia, and Oklahoma City, and Richmond, Virginia, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia and places in California and, and Baltimore, Maryland. I, I held the first run and three people came and I was delighted to have them. And the second run, a, a totally different three or four people showed up. And I said, oh, well, I don't know if this thing's going to take off. But what I also know from running is that consistency matters. And so I started consistently just scheduling these runs, a couple runs a month, but usually on Sundays, a couple runs a month. And I started core group and then started getting a bigger core group before I knew it I had a, a community and what was cool about our community too is that we started partnering with you know we used to just we'd run somewhere and then we'd go somewhere for food after it wasn't really a big deal and then it started becoming a big deal where I needed to call ahead to restaurants and see if they could do you have room for 30 runners on a Sunday morning for brunch can you accommodate us? I had restaurants doing special menus for us. I had restaurants who were, you know, actively seeking us to come. So it, it's been a really cool operation. I have a rule, which is we only go to local and independent places, which I think is really important because we want to support our, our, our local economy and, and support local businesses who want us there and who are actually happy to welcome the vegan community. They don't have to be 100% vegetarian or vegan restaurants. And in fact, I actually like going to those places and showing them, hey, look at the demand. You should put more vegan stuff on your menu for us. And I've seen it work. So many great points there. And I'm sorry I keep talking about myself, but I have so much in common <laughs> with you. So it's great to actually talk to a fellow vegan sure. runner. I actually, when I first became vegan, and relied heavily on No Meat Athlete for a lot of his tips and advice and recipes and guides in his blog. And also, I have his cookbook, workout book, book, his book on my <laughs> bookshelf right now that I yeah, yeah. crack open a lot too. So I'm very familiar with his work and it seems like he does a great job. And I love the fact he's just a normal guy who's pretty good at running, but also likes plants and not hurting animals. Right? Yeah, it's a pretty laid back approach, which is, is also my approach. I had someone in the group one time who was asking, is everyone here vegan? And I said, I don't know. We, we don't, <laughs> there's no, that's not the only topic of conversation by, by a lot. We just happen to all come together in this group. I know that some people in the group eat meat. I know that some people in the group are diehard longtime vegans and it's all cool it's laid back very welcoming that's also something i think is extremely important is welcoming everybody because if you've made the effort to come out at eight or nine o'clock on a sunday morning to run with this group that is specifically called no meat athlete baltimore that you have some interest in in what we're doing yeah and i love the fact you don't draw that line in the sand and separate us from them you invite mm. everyone in and then also for the restaurants you don't say you don't go to a non-vegan restaurants say well they're profiting off slaughter we can't go there you go there and say well you got this mm -hmm. one or two vegan things look at this demand why don't you mm -hmm. make it three or four keep it on the menu the whole time and really just spreading that net of compassion 
and include as many people in the movement as possible, I think is a really great way to make it more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of it. I want to welcome in everybody. I, I know I, I said this before, but if someone is just doing meatless one day a week or one meal a week, that's that's a little progress. And how many people do you have on a typical run with this group? Well, you know, this thing happened. Um, it's called a pandemic. And it was a global pandemic and it wreaked havoc on the planet. Before the pandemic, we were averaging somewhere around 30 folks a run. Sometimes we'd have closer to 40. Sometimes we'd have more like 25. We just had a run this morning. And we had 15 folks come out. And again, I was delighted to see every face. Or half a face, in some cases, uh, for (laughs) folks who are wearing masks. I'm very confident we'll build back up to our pre-pandemic numbers as folks are more comfortable and confident coming out in the world. Oh, definitely. When you first started talking about this and you were saying, you know, when you first did it, you only had like three people and you were just delighted that was that many. (laughs) And now it's grown so much and that's that's just so great because it doesn't it isn't such a good feeling watching something like that grow like something that you are oh, passionate yeah. about yeah that's great we yeah. have 1200 people in our facebook group wow um and i i, I joke i'm like god if five percent of the facebook group came out we'd have 60 people um, before right. the pandemic I'm, I'm also i'm in marketing as well and so i have i really enjoy promoting the group and someone teased me and they were like yeah you're clearly in marketing because i will nag people to death about getting out there i'm like you know people will post a question i'll be like okay well we'll see you sunday well i don't know if i'm gonna come on well why aren't you coming on sunday you know i'll i, I will <laughs> nag and cajole always in in you know in a friendly kind of teasing way but i'm always trying to get folks to come out you know people will private message me i don't i don't know i only run a 10 minute mile and i'm like half the people more than half the people are running your pace everyone thinks they're going to be the slowest runner people say well i don't want to come out and run with you until i'm a good runner and that always cracks me up i'm like you know how you get to be a good runner run with other runners exactly. get out of here <laughs> no, i'm i'm not a, a coach or a running coach um, I'm not certified in any way, but I am a cajoler of people to get out and just be active. Yeah. And it seems like you're doing it more for fun. And it, it, obviously it's for healthy reasons too, but, mm-hmm. but you're not over pushing anybody and you're just like, Hey, no. just come out and do this and have fun. It's, and that's great because that's, that's how you're going to get people in. Cause if you're just like, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're running and we're just going to be like so competitive and aggressive about this, but it, it, that, that'll deter people. But I, I think that's great that you're having fun with it. And that's yeah, it's fun. One of the things some someone was surprised a few months ago. They were they were you know asking about the you know the the group, and I mentioned something about how it's a labor of love. Like I'm, this is something I do for free. Like I'm not getting paid for this. And right. and she was like, "You do this for free? <laughs> like yes, I do this for free. I do this because it's fun." And something else that you mentioned was that just having that consistency was important to building that audience. I do mm-hmm. a lot of research and listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, articles, talk to other marketing and fundraising professionals. And something that I've heard a few times is frequency wins. And that applies in everything, whether it's a business you have, a group you're starting. If you're not consistent keeping things out there on a regular basis, it's never going to take off. That's something I see with so many vegan businesses or movements is they'll try something for a little bit, get frustrated and stop. But if you just keep at it, keep going, keep that frequency up, keep that consistency going, like your group and even like this podcast, eventually the audience and support builds. And before you know it, whereas before you're getting three or four runners, now you have 30 or 40. 
right? Repetition. I also get people who come out to, to the runs all the time who say, I've been following you guys for like three years and I finally came out. I mean, if there are 1,200 people in your Facebook group, you got a lot of lurkers. Oh, yeah. A lot of lurkers. <laughs> I, I think a lot before the pandemic, I used to post a lot about, hey, are you not coming out because you're socially awkward? So is everybody else, you know, come out. You know, I, I feel like with the pandemic, I don't, I don't want to, it's not as easy to, to get people out. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to go against, you know, CDC recommendations or people <laughs> right. who are, right? But, you know, I'm, I, I look forward to cajoling and harassing in a more friendly way as the months go on and it becomes safer and safer. We always complain about lurkers in Facebook groups. <laughs> But if any <laughs> Facebook group that has over 500 people had all active members, that would be such a mess. Yeah. Can you imagine oh, that right? nightmare? I know. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, again, if 10% came out, we'd have 120 people. And whatever restaurant we're going to is going to be like, oh, God, no. <laughs> so it's probably for the best that you know, we, wouldn't, you know, we don't have that number. Or 1,200 people commenting and posting on the Facebook group. That would be, ins- that would be so right? out and, on and top. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's like five people, right? Five people are active on the Facebook group. 1,200 are staring at those posts, so they better be good. <laughs> Just a couple more questions because we're coming up on the half hour mark. What is a common misconception about veganism? And I suppose we should probably relate to the overall theme of this podcast. What's a misconception about veganism in relation to athleticism, fitness, running, what have you, that you would like people listening to dispel? Mm. It's too hard. It's too hard to do. It's not hard to do. <laughs> I think people think, oh, it's too hard. I, I will have to plan everything out and I'll really have to eat all these exotic foods. And, you know, that's just not the case. So, you know, I, I think that that's the biggest misconception. I think there's also the, the misconception that people think, oh, well, I got to eat all these fake meats. And I, those are all gross. So I don't want to eat those fake meats. And of course, you don't have to eat any of the, the meat analogs or the, you know, fake burgers or whatever. You can you can do it easily with whole foods. And my favorite is I work out too hard to go vegan. You're yeah, not that no, special. There's, there's, sorry. No way, there's, there's no way that diet could support my awesome workout routine. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to make it a masculine one, but, <laughs> but, but I did make it a masculine I actually one. loved it. <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to address it. Like, uh, yeah, but no, I get it. Yeah. As statistics and prob- probability says mm. that that argument typically comes from more masculine mm-hmm. powerlifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of crowd. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, any other tips for athletes looking to adopt a plant-based lifestyle? You know, I I think it's you know I when I think what are the obstacles? I think one of the greatest obstacles to making any kind of behavioral change, especially when it's related to health, is having support and having a peer group. If you are trying to do this on your own, it can be challenging. But if you find other people, and certainly, you know, especially during the pandemic, I think online communities are great, but nothing replaces seeing people in person and, and talking to folks on a run or talking to folks, you know, hanging out over a coffee after a run. Nothing beats finding a peer group. So if you're, you know, looking to adopt a, a plant-based lifestyle or looking to start running or both, finding a group in your area or finding some kind of peers in your area makes it so much easier. Agreed. The best way to make vegans is by hanging out with awesome vegans. The best way to right? stay vegan is by hanging out with awesome vegans. So just hang out right? with awesome vegans. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Problem solved. <laughs> there we did. Solved it. Let's go send that to PETA and then they can just stop. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. Right, last question. <laughs> and this is a doozy. Guac or hummus? See, why must we choose What a divisive world that we live in, that we must choose between two wonderful things. That said, I am team guac all the way. I was doing good for a couple weeks. There, yeah, a few you were. people on the hummus train. Mm, mm, 
no, no. Especially if there's a little salt in there. Oh, there's yeah. nothing like a, a salty guac on toast after a run, oh. man. All I know is that I got a big old container of hummus in my fridge, and I look forward to not sharing it with any of you. Uh, oh, well, that's rude. I'm the only one here. <laughs> well, Lauren can run up here from Baltimore, maybe. <laughs> I might. I might. <laughs> all right, Lauren, that's all I have. Do you have any final words for our listeners? No. Um, if, if folks are ever in the Baltimore area, or if you live in the Baltimore area, please come find No Meat Athlete Baltimore on our Facebook group or look for us on Instagram. We run about every couple of weeks, and we have a vegan ice cream run every July. I'm just saying. Mm. Well, color me interested. And we will put mm-hmm. links to all of Lauren's stuff in the show notes, her website, her Facebook groups, her Instagrams, and whatever other social media stuff she has going out there so you can find her on whatever platform works best for you. Thanks right. again for inviting me. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. You're, you're awesome. I, I love what you're doing. Oh, yeah, this has been great. I love talking to other vegan runners out there. It's been fun hearing other stories and other advice and tips from someone who has a similar lifestyle as I do. So it's been a pleasure, Lauren. Thanks again. Thanks for coming on. All right, have a fantastic day, everyone. Thanks for listening. And if you want to get a hold of us, BeKindPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Kind Podcast, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania.